welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Dr. Eric Westman is an Associate Professor of Medicine at Duke University. He is board certified in both obesity medicine and internal medicine. In 2006, Dr. Westman founded the Duke Keto Medicine Clinic with Dr. William S. Yancey Jr. after spending nearly a decade of clinical research regarding low carbohydrates. In 2010, he was awarded the Obesity Medicine Association's Bariatrician of the Year. He is a New York Times bestselling author of several books, including The New Atkins for a New You and Cholesterol Clarity. He wrote his latest book, End Your Carbohydrate Confusion, in 2020 with another guest of our show, Amy Berger. Dr. Westman is the co-founder of Adapt Your Life, which is an education and product company that is based on low carbohydrate concepts. Dr. Eric Westman, welcome to Boundless Body Radio. It's an absolute honor to have you. Well, thanks for having me. The first thing I want to talk about is something that's a passion of mine and I know is a passion of yours. Let's talk brisket. <laughs> I uh, yeah. brisket. love brisket. <laughs> Settle the score for everybody on the show. Where where do you find the best brisket? Who does it best? Uh, well, I think it depends on your area. <laughs> of course, North, where I live in North Carolina, everyone claims they can make their own best brisket, but I don't <laughs> I do not do a lot of... Uh, smoking of beef myself. So there, you know, you have to just find the local, uh, local restaurant or, or store that does it the way you like it. I mean, I like it with a lot of fat. I like nice. it moist and fat. And so I've targeted one store in our area that it's a regional kind of uh, restaurant. Um, I could live on brisket and, and collard greens and, and I'd be happy. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. I would honestly just stop at the brisket. <laughs> it's one of my favorite <laughs> things to prepare. It takes a long time to make a really good brisket, but it you can do it at home. You do need a smoker and you need a lot of time and patience, but boy, you get a, a whole lot of really, really great meat out of it. It's awesome. <laughs> Um, I, I mentioned this to Amy. I was, I found myself needing to go to a bookstore a few weeks ago and I haven't been in a bookstore for a while. And so I walked in, I was looking for a particular title and just for the heck of it, I decided to do a quick flyby at the nutrition section just to see what was going on. And I could not believe how many books. I mean, I told her there were five whole bookcases from floor to ceiling, all about nutrition. And a lot of them were about low carbohydrate diets, which is great that more people are talking about it, but how, how did we get to this point where there's just so much content? How do people get started? It's crazy. Uh, yeah, well, it's good. Uh, you know, we need lots of different ways to plane, to teach, to, you know, it's almost like um, different kinds of cars, different colors, different shapes. So the, the nice thing about a keto or low carb lifestyle is that it's very flexible. So if you want to find, so, you know, what I would recommend is you find a, you know, browse the book or the website. And if it, if the food style is, looks like what you're, you know, what you like, if the, the author, the people who wrote the book um, has the same experience that you have, or, or the book uh, books I've written, I'm basically I've used with my own clinic patients. So there are people who have, you know, a lot of weight, to lose, they they come to see a doctor for weight loss, for example, or diabetes, those kinds of things. So you know you want to, you know, like shopping. Uh, you know, you browse the books and see which one catches your eye, and and um, hopefully it's a 
a source that you can trust. I think that's like any, any uh, you know, like shopping for a car, you take it for a test drive that you would want to, you know, so if you find one and it's not working for you in a matter of days, you know, to a week or two, you might find another one because the low carb keto is so uh, effective that um, it should be working for you, you know, right out of the gate. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point. I really appreciate the style that you guys use to write your book, you and Amy. It's very simple to understand. And we're going to talk about that book. But first of all, I want to go back and understand your story a little bit better. Tell us, when did you realize you wanted to be a doctor and why did you pursue that as your career? Oh, that goes way back. You know, I I, uh, I think, you know, I, I always wanted to be a doctor. So I was a son of a doctor. Um Although he was a psychiatrist, I ended up needing a more objective type of doc, being a doctor. So I turned into an internist, internal medicine, where you, you have numbers and tests and it's very objective compared to psychiatry, I suppose. But no, I, I always wanted to be a doctor. I, I have that sappy, I know it's sappy, altruistic streak. I, I wanted to help people, you know, and, uh, and there are a lot of doctors who really who went into it for that reason. That was, that was me. So uh, through the years, I learned that I liked uh, talking to people rather than operating on them, you know, <laughs> um, and that I, I got pleasure out of seeing people get better, which is one reason why I shifted from the internal medicine, giving pills and shots for things to obesity medicine, where now I fix things. I take away the chronic medical shots and pills that we prescribe for people today because I treat the underlying cause, the obesity, mm. the food and the obesity. Uh, so I'm a happy doctor again, where I see people are getting better uh, in front of my eyes. Tell us about the time when you were a less happy doctor, maybe in the beginning when you were following the standard advice. Yeah, so I traveled um, for my training. I, I was uh, at Stanford as an undergrad, went to the University of Wisconsin-Madison for my medical school. That's where I grew up, where I was from, Madison. Then the University of Kentucky and then Duke. And at Duke, where I've been for 30 years now, I did a clinical training program to learn to do clinical trials as an internal medicine specialist. So I was in the clinic at the Veterans Affairs Hospital here in Durham at the time, and I learned how to prescribe pills to manage diabetes with shots and blood pressure medicines and all that. And, you know, after a while, it was downright depressing. My patients weren't getting better. You know, they were getting older and, and they were getting worse. <laughs> so what I find is that this is a common theme. There's a lot of burnout in mid-career medical doctors, the internal medicine doctors, uh, particularly family medicine too, because they weren't given the tools to actually fix their patients. So those who went into doctoring to help people get better are, are frustrated. And, and uh, so that was one of the reasons I changed to look for a new tool to help people. And that was you know, obesity medicine and specifically using low carb keto diets. So that was quite a while ago. I mean, what, how did you stumble upon that as the way to actually truly help people. There wasn't a ton of information about that out there at the time. Yeah. So we'll have to go back to 1998. So basically it was 20, 
one years ago now. <laughs> so I'm sitting in my clinic as an internal medicine doctor and a young doctor. And one of my patients comes into me and he had lost, he lost 50 pounds since I last saw him six months before. And I, you know, I was very curious, you know, how do you do this? And he looked at me and he said, all I did is I ate steak and eggs. And like, what? You know, basically, he was doing the Atkins diet at the time. It's called the Atkins induction. And, you know, first I was like, I don't believe you. And he said, no, no, really. It's in a book, you know, that was written before you were born. And and now he was getting personal. So I, I, you know, had never read the book. And it wasn't quite before I was born, but it was close. Uh, So the Dr. Atkins had several books and he kind of shamed me, guilted me into reading it. And then, you know, and I read it and I thought, this is terrible. People are going to be eating fat and their cholesterol will go up. And, you know, it's a lot of the concerns people voice today. But remember, this is still 1998. So another patient comes in having lost weight doing, you know, steak and eggs, basically. And I said, no, you can't do this. And he said, why? Well, because your cholesterol will go up. And, and he looked at me and said, well, why don't you check it? How do you know? You know, I said, well, I don't know. So I, I, okay, I sent him down the hall where the lab was at the VA and checked the cholesterol, and it was better. All of the things we look at in the cholesterol panel was better. So, you know, I, I started kind of, there's a saying, you know, you smell a rat, or you, you kind of get it. Something's not right about this picture. Everyone tells me it's bad. All these terrible things will happen, and yet what's happening in front of my eyes is that People are getting better and their cholesterol didn't go up. Wow. So I was curious. I was, a, uh, you know, I'm still a curious researcher. And so at the time I thought, well, let me write Dr. Atkins a letter. He was the only doctor I could find who was really still in a clinical practice that had a big practice. And he called back and he said, you know, what do you want? And I said, well, I have a couple of patients. I'm a doctor at Duke. A couple of my patients got better on your diet. And he, you know, pause. You know, so <laughs> and I said, well, it's all very, you know, I said, well, where's the science? And, and he said, well, it's all in my book. And I said, well, with all due respect, I read your book and it's a bunch of anecdotes. It doesn't count. And so by this time he, he you know, kind of said, well, why would I want to do research? I, I've done this for 30 years. I know what the research will find. But, you know, he had a point. You usually do research before you've done something for 30 years, you know, not after, right? But I, I convinced him that there was a failure of, of other people to believe it and believe him. And so he invited me to his office in New York City. And that's how, so I sat in the office of people seeing, uh, advising people to do a low-carb keto diet. And, you know, it was, it was interesting. It certainly could work. And uh, I still had concerns about safety. And so I thought, well, all right, I'll go back to Duke and do a study. And so we did a study based on Dr. Atkins clinic program. And the first study looked good. We decided to go back and to do another study and another and another. And, and now the studies have been done all around the world, basically validating the fact that you don't need to eat carbohydrates and that you can actually be really healthy by not eating carbohydrates. And, and now in my clinic, I tell people not to eat carbohydrates to fix chronic medical conditions. <laughs> so it's actually a therapeutic corrective diet 
wow. for diabetes, high blood pressure, obesity. Mm. Why, why is there still so much resistance to low-carbohydrate diets in the medical field if they're so incredibly effective? Yeah, you know, it, um, it's complicated. <laughs> Most doctors have no training in nutrition, so they get the same kind of education as the general public, which, you know, from companies that want you to eat their products, you know. <laughs> so the doctors today will have the same biases and misconceptions as the general public. Mm. Uh, and I think we teach doctors uh, today, just like with me in the 1980s and 90s, to use medications as the primary form of treatment, not lifestyle change. Mm -hmm. or, or if they think lifestyle change, they think exercise fixes everything. And exercise doesn't even help you lose weight without changing the diet along with it. So we teach people who teach doctors basically either nothing or the wrong thing. <laughs> so now the reluctance is complicated. The, um, there's a kind of failure today of the observe observation using what you see in the clinic as valid information. There's something that it gets dismissed as anecdotal medicine. So unless you can, get the clinical trial together to publish in a big journal. A lot of doctors won't even listen to you. And that's been a problem because the funding organizations haven't wanted to fund high fat diets because we've known and quote, we have known unquote that they're bad for you. <laughs> so rather than be curious, like, like me, the organizations say, no, you can't study it. So those studies are never done. Mm. And so then doctors never learn about it or trust it because they discount the anecdotes uh, that even, even though there are thousands of them on the, on the internet, for example, and they wait for those clinical trials to be done that can't be done because there's no money to do them. Mm. And that the clinical trials, you know, the highest grade of a study that can be done, they're very difficult to do in the proper setting. I mean, you have to control every single variable besides just the food. That's not very easy to do. Well, we, we went to the, uh, you know, went to the drawing board to figure out how to study this. And we do have randomized trials and clinical trials of the low carb keto diet, which is why I get the, you know, the respect that I do that we published papers and with randomized um, designs, but they were outpatient studies, as, as you're saying, you don't really know exactly what people eat, but you have a good idea. I mean, it, in, in my clinic and in the clinical trials, if someone's following the program, they're going to be having less hunger and they're going to be losing weight so that if they're doing it for weight loss, so you kind of can know that they're following the, the program, but the large scale, scale clinical trials to convince organizations to change are really much more expensive and require either governmental or foundation support to do those kinds of studies. Now, recently there, and this again, doesn't compute because um, there's a recent study, which is very pioneering done by a company called Verta Health that shows that you can reverse diabetes, even if you're on insulin. But there we have the superficial view that if a company funded the study, we don't believe the results. So now we have, since the governmental agencies and organizations won't fund it, a company funded their own trial. And now everyone has a knee jerk reaction not to 
trust that study because the company funded their own trial, mm. which, <laughs> but now because the results were so striking for diabetes, getting better and on a keto diet, they are persuading organizations now. And so a big change is that this company, and the other thing is you have to have a big enough company to be able to, to sell their product to large insurance companies or, or Blue Cross Blue Shield of states. And so these pilot programs are happening now where these the keto diets being used for diabetes. Um, and there's a growing number of doctors who are familiar and use a keto diet, but you're right. There's still a lot of reluctance because I think doctors just don't understand. You know, we were all taught that fat was bad and eating fat raises your cholesterol and that causes heart disease. And actually none of that is really proven. Yeah, that's right. I think it's so important what you said, like everybody's sitting around waiting for these results for big trials, yet there's so much anecdote out there. Like if you've been in this world, the low carbohydrate space for a while, like, you know, how the Verta trial is going to come out when they release the first year data. And then the second year data that, that showed that absolutely you can reverse type two diabetes in a vast majority of patients. Most of us were like, well, yeah, we, we knew that <laughs> it's not really a surprise. People are doing it. Right. But it was really important to have the formalization of the research and papers that are peer reviewed so that you convince, you can convince the skeptical insurance companies that, you know, don't want to pay for a program like this, even though they're going to end up saving in the long run because you no longer have those diseases to pay for. You don't pay for the complications of, of renal dialysis for someone on, with diabetes because they no longer have diabetes. Yeah. So fortunately, that is changing so that uh, more and more uh, awareness, at least, is there. Uh, but you don't have to wait for other people to give approval anymore. I mean, that, that's the, you know, the double-edged sword of the internet is that you can be an expert. You know, you can watch videos of me giving talks at medical conferences. And, but, you know, you have to be careful that, to know who to listen to. And just so there's good information and there's not so good information yeah. on the internet. Mm, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's a really good point. I want to go back to you discovering this diet. Um, what things did you notice personally when you started trying a low carbohydrate diet yourself? Well, you know, I wanted to learn how to teach uh, a low carb diet, what to buy at the store, how to, you know, go to restaurants, fast food, things like that. So I started a low carb diet myself during our first study. And so along with my patients, I noticed pretty quickly that the hunger goes away or is greatly diminished. So I stopped worrying about where I was going to get lunch, you know, <laughs> and as a workaholic or, you know, as a, uh, a young physician working a lot, um, that's very nice. You, you have a relief of anxiety about where you're going to eat uh, and the hunger that way. But um, I, I never really had a whole lot of weight to lose though. I lost 20 pounds pretty quickly. Wow. And, um, at times in my life when I was unable to be very active uh, with children and things, as I kept the carbohydrate really low, I didn't gain weight. And I, I find that as a kind of a teaching tool for people who, you know, you don't need to do keto, but if you're, if you're um, maintaining your weight by exercising 
and now you can't exercise, just change the diet a little bit, tweak it and lower the carbs, then you won't gain weight. Um, you know, that's a common thing. You get out of college and training and then you get a family, you eat the same way, but you don't exercise as much and you gain weight. So just don't, uh, what the understanding you need to have is that it's the carbs that make you gain the weight. So if you can't exercise as much, just dial down the carbs and you won't gain the weight. Mm. Another point that a lot of people make is that you you can't do this for your whole life. You can't be restrictive. You can't restrict your carbohydrates for your entire life. For you personally, is there anything that you would foresee that would make you stop eating this certain way? <laughs> well, so my first response to that kind of um, sort of statement is, yes, you can. You can do anything. You can, you know, and in fact, it's not depriving. I mean, it is delicious, as we mentioned, the brisket. You know, it could live on that. So actually, so what I've learned is that I have a different set of foods, but I don't feel deprived. You know, um, so that the the cuts of the cuts of meat and the sauces, and and then I do have the need for sweet things every now and then, and I just have learned to not eat much of the sweet things. Um, so I don't feel deprived. Uh, but then I've been doing this twenty years. Wow. So, you know, I guess if there were clinical trial evidence uh, that eating a keto diet was bad, I would change. I, I'm not so blind uh, that I that I don't, um, or, um, how should I say, I, I, I'm wide-eyed and open to new research and new data. And uh, like being on the, the, in the crow's nest of a, of a boat that's exploring years ago, I mean, if the end of the world came, I'd turn the boat around, you know, if, but actually the more keto is being studied, the better it looks, Yeah, you know, having ketones around actually may be anti-inflammatory by themselves, the ketones themselves. So it's not just taking away the inflammatory carbs that relieves the joint pain. It might be having these ketones around that give you added drug-like benefits. So we're, you know, we're just starting to learn about ketosis and you have, you have to understand that, um, in research terms, just in, you know, my lifetime, the last 15 years, we've been able to study it without people, you know, giving you grief to study it. So it, in research terms, that's pretty, pretty young in terms of a uh, field and, and it's looking better and better. I mean, the research team at Ohio state, Jeff Volek, um, in his group, and then Ben Bickman uh, as well um, in Salt Lake. Um, these, these groups are are having no um, no reluctance to study ketosis and keto diets, and we're going to learn a whole lot more about it um, in the, uh, the upcoming years. That's great. We're we're just so grateful for all of you guys doing all this great research. We've had Ben on our show, and boy, he's just so awesome to talk to and learn from. He's yeah. been great. You mentioned. Hey. You mentioned inflammation, and that's a pretty hot topic right now. We are dealing with a virus that can, in some people, take a pretty nasty turn in the second phase of the disease where the autoimmune, the immune system kind of starts going haywire. I, I wonder if you can comment, do, you, do we have any information or studies on people doing better with a low-carbohydrate diet besides just the comorbidities of, of you know, the things that we associate with metabolic disease, like obesity, hypertension, diabetes, things like that. Uh, I think, no, I think it's the theoretical understanding that you do 
better if your blood sugar is normal. So those with diabetes do work. Um, and then the really seriously ill folks have a, that inflammatory and thrombotic response of blood clots. And, and um, there was a theoretical paper published about how a low carb keto diet could be beneficial for that kind of end stage thrombotic uh, um, kind of catastrophe that can happen when people are in the ICU because it seems related to insulin and insulin resistance. And so the theory is pretty sound if, I mean, because we know with a keto diet, you lower insulin levels and insulin resistance. Uh, so the theory is there. I haven't seen any real world studies that have used it, you know, as a single arm study or randomized trial. I haven't seen a study with keto for COVID yet. I don't know if there are any that are uh, designed. I, I, from time to time, I look at clinicaltrials.gov to see if there are some. And there have been a few that get mentioned there, but I don't see results from them. Gotcha. We were, let's see, I was at Low Carb Denver um, that weekend in March where everything was kind of getting shut down. And we were trying to make sense of what was going on. And I remember we reviewed a paper about influenza and and showed some benefit of, you know, being low carb or keto with an influenza virus. But one thing I will say, this is anecdote. This is just, just what we heard, but not very many people that I talk to say they ever get sick anymore. There's so many people that just say like one weird thing that I noticed if I eat this way, I, I haven't gotten a cold. I don't, I don't get colds every winter. I don't, I don't get the flu that often. So again, it's, it's anecdote, but it sure seems that a lot of people notice that in themselves. Yeah, I've heard that too. I, I have to say, and it's, but it's hard to nail that down as the, you know, exact cause of something, but it is interesting and intriguing. And I, I hope there is more um, prospective research or, or even, yeah, I mean, it could be in vitro or in vivo other animals. Um, that might be the first place to start in an animal study. Yeah. Interesting. We'll have to look out for research coming down the pipeline. I've heard you talk about this in the past as well. And I wonder if you can comment on this where with, with the research you do, you've already, you've already mentioned that a lot of it is extremely objective. You're, you're measuring numbers, you're getting lab values and things like that. Has your, has your view of those objective measures changed over the course of your career? Do you, do you tend to maybe think more along the lines of someone like say Dr. Sean Baker, who, who really like the metrics are important, but, but really the best indicator of health is how you feel today. D can you comment on that? Sure. Well, um, how you feel is good. I mean, that is a, um, uh, a good start, but I think there is value to the numbers of, um, Oh, probably weight or, or, uh, um, even now, okay. Weight's not this important. Um, although it is one, over a certain number, uh, blood pressure is still probably one of the most important numbers we, we, um, we measure that have clear outcomes that are bad that you can, um, prevent by lowering the blood pressures. Um, blood sugar, I still value, uh, and, or A1C, hemoglobin A1C. Uh, and then, but when it comes to the blood, uh, it, 
there's a, a book that I helped to write. Jimmy Moore and I wrote a book called Cholesterol Clarity. And in the book, uh, it was basically the transcripts of the podcast that Jimmy had done. It's an idea for you to transcribe the podcast, put it in a book. Um, and um, basically, it shows that the researchers of cholesterol have talked about triglyceride and HDL for many years now, not total cholesterol and LDL, like the clinical people. So the research is, is way beyond what the clinical doctors are, are focusing on and talking about. So when I look at a lipid profile, I'll look at the triglyceride and HDL, not the total and the LDL, but I still look at the blood sugar, the A1C, the blood pressure. Um, I, I don't know that the clinical measurement of inflammation is solid enough yet. You know, you can look at CRP as a marker of inflammation. Um, I don't know that that gets you beyond just feeling really well. Mm. Um, but I, I know Dr. Baker, I know Sean Baker, and I've talked to him quite a bit. Um, what's confusing sometimes is that the values in the blood, for example, the, uh, among people who don't eat carbs, falls outside the normal range of those who do eat carbs. So the, and then people get upset because their blood sugar is a little high or their cholesterol is a little high. And we have, we are thinking that this is not bad. It's just different Mm. and that it may be a normal response for those who don't eat carbohydrates to have different blood values, you know, within a certain range and according to a certain different, um, a certain subscribed number of tests. So for example, if a, a sodium was really low, if someone ate carbs or didn't eat carbs, I'd, I'd still value that as something distressing and, and a cause for a concern, but not so much the, the cholesterol levels, uh, you know, the way people looked at it in the old way, I'm not so concerned. Mm. Interesting. So tell us about your most recent book and your carbohydrate confusion. You wrote that with Amy Berger. Um, why did you guys decide to work together? How did the idea come about? Um, and why did you decide to write it in the style that you did? Yeah. So Andrew Carb Confusion was designed to help in this current <laughs> current climate. Uh, like you said, there's too many books, too many too many people talking about different carbs and and different uh, ketos and all that. So it put together the research of many different um, types of diets. So while I'm known for the research I've done with the keto diet, low glycemic diets that aren't keto, like a low carb, high fat LCHF type of diet can be very effective. And in the right people, if you're young and active and, and have the right metabolic type, you can actually eat a higher number of carbs and still be healthy. Of course, you wouldn't get the ketones and the ketone benefits, but it's still, I'm not hundred percent sure that you need to be in ketosis all the time. I'm still waiting for that research to, to cinch that. I'm, you know, so I don't tell people they have to be in ketosis. Um, and this, so Andrew carb confusion actually helps people who, for example, my brother who can eat anything, <laughs> he eats a lot of fruit. He's naturally active. He's the one who played college basketball and, and I watched, uh, basketball in college. Um, you know, so there are different metabolic types and and there's some people that would never dream of doing a keto diet. You know, are you crazy? Well, this allows for that. 
there are three different phases or different places that we categorize people in terms of carbs. You know, if you thought, well, I could never give up my bagel. Well, if your metabolic type fits you in the category, we're sure you can have a bagel, then great. We'll teach you how to do it and be healthy. Uh, so I guess it's bringing together research that is not just the research I've done, but research from other people uh, all into one book in a, in a readable way. I, I met Amy Berger. Uh, she's known for her Alzheimer's antidote book that put all the information about carbs and Alzheimer's in a book and that low carb may be beneficial for it. And I met her at a meeting of Adapt Your Life, a company that I'm involved in, and learned that she had a kind of keto without the crazy idea that it's way too confusing and people are making it too complicated. And because she was a professional writer as well, we connected on uh, the book idea and uh, worked on it together so that it's not just, you know, me, the researcher who's used to writing research papers, writing a book, it's actually a professional writer. So it, it reads well. We, got, we had uh, people to have original artwork to try to explain what's going on um, internally. Uh, so it teaches you a little bit about physiology, but it's a, mostly just a practical, here's what you do sort of book. Mm. You mentioned research. I think this is so interesting. I, the first time I heard this, I was like, uh, I don't know about that. That doesn't sound like the best idea. And then thinking about it a little bit more and hearing you defend it, I, it, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Was it difficult for you to write a book based on science that didn't include a single scientific reference in the entire book? <laughs> well, you know, um, no, because the science is settled. You know, in fact, if you go read a book that has way too many references, you know, that you would never read, there's that old saying, methinks he protested too much. Or, you know, that if you have to, you know, cite everything and all that, that, uh, you know, you're actually being controversial and saying something that's not backed up by the science. So, I mean, there's so many papers we, we, we didn't want to waste your time looking at the papers we want just to tell people what to do and why. And, uh, no, it was actually quite liberating to not have to cite everything because we really don't say anything controversial. I mean, we, we don't say any food is bad. You know, we, we just say that you can't have too much of that or, or you can have this. And, you know, it's, um, uh, it was actually, um, our main, uh, objective was to make it readable. And I think without all of the little citations and numbers and things, I think we achieved that. Mm. That's yeah. I, I love that decision. I think it is the right one, especially for the style of book that you were seeking to write. What, what were some of the areas where people got the most confused? Cause you are right. There's endless amount of ways to be confused about carbohydrates, but really it's, it's not that hard, but what are some of the more common ones that you guys tried to address? Yeah, uh, you know, we, at the same time this book launched, we launched, launched an online digital class called the Keto Made Simple Masterclass. It's available at adaptyourlifeacademy.com. And the reason I bring that up is we surveyed the first um, 600 people that went through the Keto Made Simple Masterclass. And we asked them what they learned and what kind of mistakes they thought they were making. 
and it really fell into several categories. One was the overconsumption of fat. So that in today's teaching of a keto diet, there's a common mistake of adding oils and butter and ghee and MCT and thinking that because it has no carbs, you can have as much of it as you want. So on a, a clinical program like mine, where we've used it for years now in a program, we've learned that you have to put a limitation on the cheese, the cream, the mayonnaise, or it becomes a trigger for a lot of people. They eat too many calories and it doesn't work if you're doing it for weight loss. So that's the, the first message was overconsumption of fats. The second message we got from the survey of the class of people learning our method uh, is the using use of net carbs versus total carbs. So again, in today's teaching of keto, you might have heard of net carbs where you subtract the fiber and sugar alcohols, but actually those fiber grams and sugar alcohols can impact the metabolism. So we use total carbs. That's actually what we use in our research studies, what we've basically used since 1863 when Banting first talked about this in London, England. Using total carbs is a more effective approach and it works better. And then you're not falling victim to these new products and, and pills and oils and drinks. And you, you want to stay away from that stuff. Uh, the, so the overconsumption of fat and the use of net carbs instead of total carbs were the two main factors that caused confusion. And, and the confusion led to it not working. Mm, interesting. You've already mentioned the three levels of carbohydrate tolerance. Um, can you go into a little bit greater detail of what those are and who might fit into what categories? Sure. So, you know, I'm sure you looked around the the world is has different shapes and sizes of people, and that includes metabolism. And, you know, you may have wondered why someone can eat more carbs than others. It has to do with that carbohydrate sensitivity or tolerance. And in the End Your Carb Confusion book, we have a simple checklist where you check off clinical situations that you have. Not You don't have to do any blood tests or see your doctor for any of these measurements. You just check off if, whether you have these conditions or not. And then you end up adding up the number at the bottom, and that puts you into one of three categories. So you might, if you're young, you're healthy, you're active, you don't have diabetes, you don't have extra weight, we recommend that you probably can be up to 150 carbs per day as long as it's a you know healthy source of carbs. Nobody today in a good, a good diet program recommends a lot of junk foods. Neither do we. <laughs> so, uh, but you might be up to 150 carbs a day if you, you're having that type of metabolism. That's really well explained. One thing that I would run into and I would have to really explain to people is so many people were focused on the total amount of carbohydrates, yet they weren't as focused on the frequency of carbohydrates. And I just think there's something so different between eating, you know, 50 grams of carbohydrates in one meal, and that's kind of it versus noshing on a smaller amount of carbohydrates for the whole day. Do you agree with that? Well, I think there's definitely a difference there in terms of the metabolic response. Um, in the clinical program, when I'm trying to, um, well, when the change is a big one from, let's say, hundreds of grams of carbs down to 50 or 20, then I find that it really doesn't matter when people eat. 
because the number of grams is so low. But you're right, if you get to 50, 100 grams, the metabolic effects will be different. Um, and that, uh, you know, I tend to, for being practical and for being um, flexible, I let people guide how often they eat by their hunger rather than by the metabolic, the concern about the metabolic effect. So I, I think that's an issue, but it, I, I would rather have people satisfy an urge for hunger five times a day uh, and instead of restricting themselves and feeling hungry most of the day, you know what I mean? So I think the, the um, being flexible and allowing more people do it is more important than those diff smaller differences. Mm, interesting. I, we asked Amy about this. She gave you credit for this saying, which I absolutely love. And it's one of my favorite parts about a low carbohydrate diet is people tend to be able to go off of it and back onto it relatively easily. I, of course, people can get into the trap where they go all the way back to a standard American diet. But for most people, I think that kind of autocorrects when they start to go back to feeling terrible all the time. And you made an awesome statement that I really love about a holiday. Right. Well, you know, there's certain times of year where we get together with family and, you know, or, or a birthday. And, um, but around the holidays, yeah, we coach people and it again depends on your metabolic response and how you respond to eating carbs. Uh, if you don't get, um, derailed by you know, holiday, people will go ahead and have a holiday, but don't let the holiday turn into a holiday week or a holiday month because I mean, I've seen people lose weight before the before Thanksgiving and then they've regained it all by the time Easter comes around. So, because you get sucked back in to eating carbs, but not everyone does. So that's, there's a lot of trial and error in learning about how you respond to eating carbs. I'm not a big fan of a, like a designated meal or a, you know, designated cheat meal once a week or something. I don't think that's a good idea. Um, you know, unless you're really metabolically flexible and you didn't need keto in the first place, then of course you'll do fine. You know, but in a clinical program where I'm trying to, you know, trying to help someone do this for maybe years, I don't want them to get that every now and then. It's like rekindling of the sugar that effect. So we really teach people to be strict, uh, and but sometimes we'll, uh, you know, allow for that holiday as long as it doesn't turn into the holiday week and holiday month. Yeah, I love that. It's so good. Another, another thing we hear pushback on quite a bit is people have tried diets in the past that required a lot of money, the health store, a bunch of supplements. It, they're just really expensive. Does this have to be an expensive way of eating? Not at all. Yeah. So I, um, I personally don't go to fast food places much, but my patients do. So I've learned that you can eat at McDonald's and the dollar menu and do a keto diet to fix your diabetes. I mean, it's knowing the, the most important thing is not eating the bun and the fries, having the burger, while it might not be the healthiest burger, it's, it's a burger, you know? So, um, the flexibility of a low carb keto diet is that it doesn't have to be expensive. Mm -hmm. Now, if you want to eat grass fed beef, you know, get a bulletproof coffee with expensive coffee and oils and things. You can, 
but I can tell you and reassure you, you don't have to do that. And so it's funny, I have people tell me that I've saved them money because they no longer buy those extra supplements or those super organic, you know, one of my patients would buy half a cow or someone else and split it. And I mean, if you can do that, great, but uh, that would needlessly keep some people away from doing this. Those who can't afford it or, or don't have the means to get that food, the higher food quality. So that, that's kind of been the double-edged sword of the paleo primal um, influence over the last few years. They really harp on emphasize the food quality and not so much the ketosis. So the a ketogenic diet that's effective and, and flexible focuses more on keeping the carbs low than the food quality. It doesn't have to be. I love that. I love that. That's so accessible. You make things so simple and easy. And, you know, if people want to overcomplicate things, they absolutely can. They can have certain preferences for certain things, but just the really simple basic principles apply. And so many people can see success just in their own way, but, but following those guiding principles, I really love that. You are a busy dude. You are putting out content all the time. Um, you're, you're, putting out articles, you're on Diet Doctor, you're also in both of Vinny's fat movies. What was that like to be part of? Uh, yeah, it was, it's good. Uh, you know, um, the documentary film is a interesting way to communicate a complicated uh, and, you know, complex issue, like how fat got demonized. And, and, and you know, the, the way we were involved is that they would bring their crew uh, to a hotel where we were all giving talks, for example, and we'd go up to the room and it was like walking into a movie set, basically. I mean, I, I don't never been in a movie, but basically <laughs> there were, there were lights and cameras and, you know, 10 people in the room. And I guess it's the key grip and all the, you know, I don't know what they do anyway. Um, so yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it was fun. It was, uh, I've known Vinny a few times, been on his podcast and, um, Getting to meet him was fantastic. Um, the uh, you know the terrible thing is you spend hours or well or an hour with him and then you end up with a two second you know cameo appearance in a film, which is great, which is fine. And you know because I I'm just I'm the science guy, you know, and that's not very thrilling to uh, to be the one to just help give the you know the credibility about the clinical science. Uh, but I, it was great. And I hope there are going to be more of those. Uh, they're very helpful for my patients and for people in general to learn the bigger picture view of, you know, how did we get into this mess and why is it okay to eat fat? Yeah, I agree. In fact, I, I thought the movies were so important that I made this offer on social media and I, it's still up. If anybody wants to take me up on this, I, I think the original fat documentary is free now on prime. And fat too, I think you still have to pay for. I will personally reimburse anybody who buys it and watches it because I feel like it's that important. And and one thing, boy, you just can't unsee in the first movie when they do a diabetic amputation. That is that sticks with you. I mean, that's hard to watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't you don't want to go down that path of diabetes, even with the current medical. T, uh, medical management of it, you, you still get those complications. Yep. You know, I'd be, I wouldn't be so adamant or, uh, uh, about it if using medicines fixed 
the diabetes so you didn't have long-term complications, but no, it just reduces the complications and doesn't mean it prevents it. And I think if everyone knew that up front, they would choose the other path of changing their lifestyle instead of taking the medicines for diabetes. So I, I, my hope is that doctors will at least give that option of, well, you know, I could put you on this medicine or, or, you know, you might just go out and look at a low carb keto book and you won't need these medicines. You won't have diabetes or obesity anymore. That would be my dream when it just becomes a, you know, so the doctor doesn't have to do all the teaching and the follow-up, just make the, the statement, the giving the idea that there's another way to go about it would be huge. Yeah, sure. And if that were a terrible struggle or really difficult or really expensive, like that, that would be one thing, but it's like, we're going to help you prevent chronic disease. We may even reverse other chronic diseases. We might get you off of medications and all the things that you already mentioned, like you're going to feel awesome. You're going to have great energy. You're going to spend less money. You're going to get off of supplements and medications. You're, you're going to feel great. Enjoy your life. Why would you not want to even do it for that? <laughs> Well, you know, but it, this violates one of those common sense principles of if it's that good, it can't be true. That's right? right. It's too good to be true. Well, but it is. Yep. <laughs> no, that's right. So, but it, again, it, it um, anyway, we get into these circular sorts of things of it, it's so unbelievable. You don't believe it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I tell a lot of people like the devil in this way of eating is, is in the simplicity. Like you don't need to do anything more than this. If you want to, and you want to waste your energy on other things or waste your money, go for it, but you don't have to. Well, I was thinking that that is probably why the people uh, who don't want you to figure this out, keep sowing confusion out there, you know? If you were able to figure this out, then you wouldn't have to buy all those pills. Yeah. You wouldn't have to be on insulin. And so, um, yeah, our simple message of uh, it doesn't have to be hard and um, is a real important one. Yeah, that's a great point. Tell us a little bit about the Adapt Your Life Academy and why you chose to start that. Well, you know, we, for 18 months, the Adapt Your Life team went around the country we did Saturday events where local followers or, or in, people interested in a keto diet were connected with keto experts. And so I found through my obesity medicine connections or keto connections, three or four speakers from every city we went to. And we, so we would go set up shop for a day. People would come, we, we videoed them, the events, um, and, and it was going great until COVID hit. So that was you know, January of 2020, a year ago. So we pivoted and thought, well, you know, we can't travel for, for this year. So why don't we do a digital class? So why don't we find another platform to communicate the information so that it's um, actually can be scaled to, to help more people than just the face-to-face contact we had on the weekend events. So we want to get back to the weekend events, but we're finding that the digital platform, you know, is, of course it's scalable, you know, it's worldwide and we hope that it will just add the, the number of people that have the information available. So we, we have a, a couple classes. Uh, Amy Berger has a class that's going to be launched soon called the stall slayer. And our first class is keto made simple. And so you can, um, for, for a small fee, I think it's what $147 or something. 
get access to learn uh, from me in 12 different videos with handouts and the relatively brief videos. My style is to tell you just what you need to know, not, not any more, not any less. <laughs> and um, it, it's been really, really a great experience so far that um, we helped in our first class, people lose almost a thousand pounds by their self-report over that three-week period. Um, so that we're um, finding that to help people to take away the fear or anxiety about starting, we help people in a three-week Facebook group that's closed, that's private, and we help people with the information, help them get started. Uh, it, it's actually, it's fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm used to seeing people one-on-one and Sometimes going to the clinic is like an infomercial going room to room and room. And it's a great feeling But here we had hundreds of people chiming in, you know, I'm doing great. I love it. Thank you. And so it was really um, going to another level of helping people and then having that um, good response. Um, it was great. And we're going to keep doing, uh, keep doing it. So the Adapter Life Academy, adapterlifeacademy.com, is the digital class platform. That's great. We will definitely link to that in the show notes. Is that something, it sounds like it's something that you're going to be continuing to put your energy into for the next little while. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We we have plans to respond to what people want, what, you know, uh, we're finding that there may be a, um, maybe a special role for a class on cholesterol because so many people have questions about that. And there may be a role for a class on sugar addiction because so many people have questions about that and don't understand why, you know, I can't have it, but someone else can Mm. kind of like, well, if you're an alcoholic, I mean, no, you, you just can't ever have alcohol again. Uh, So um, those are some ideas of future classes. That's great. I think that's super helpful. I've taught tons and tons of different seminars like that in the past and, it it really is a cool energy when there's there's a group of people, whether it's virtual or everybody's all together and everybody's learning and asking questions and realizing that they're not in an isolated bubble experiencing problems that they they just think are problems with themselves. They think they they're broken. They they can't find the right help yet. Everybody that I work with one on one notices all the same problems. And if if all of us could just be honest about that and 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 support each other and show everybody that there is a different way and we can all do this together. I think that would be just so helpful. And, and that's such a great way to change the world. You know, in this, I'm not, I don't know if it's your experience, but in this um, platform, the um, we have admins, you know, administrators that I've trained to respond in certain ways, but it was just so cool to see people supporting each other. I love that. So, People joining the class were responding, well, here's what I did. And yeah, I had that. And so it was almost self um, correcting. uh, uh, And that was really cool to see. That's so awesome. Yeah, we could definitely use more of that um, in today's world, more cooperation and, and working together and helping support one another. This has been just an awesome conversation. I've loved learning from you over the years. I've, I'm, I'm so happy that you guys wrote this book that you did in the, in the way that you did it. And I really hope that a lot of people check it out and find that, that this doesn't have to be complicated. You can keep this very simple. 
you don't, you don't need to be a slave to your diet for the rest of your life. And you notice all of those benefits that we already talked about. What is one simple tip that you would like to leave our listeners today um, that they could immediately plug into their lives and see benefit? Ah, well, uh, diet is ex- extremely important. You know, I, and if you don't think that, I mean, would you put uh, fuel in your car that wasn't good? You know, <laughs> so we, we've kind of been raised in a, you know, really, we're having cereal that has vitamins and minerals that are sprayed on them and they call it fortified, you know? <laughs> so, so what you eat, you know, how you handle your body, you know, yes, you can get away with things for a while, but, um, you know, what you eat and how, and then keeping active and movement with exercise, these are simple things that get in the habit and they will pay off in the long run. I love that. Well, this has been, like I said, such a great conversation. It's so cool to talk to somebody who got into the business because they wanted to help people and they found a way. <laughs> and I, I mean, you're the guy who's out there sharing this information in such a kind and supportive way. You were the one filming yourself making masks at the beginning of the pandemic and showing people how to do this. And I just, I really respect that. I respect the person that you are and how sharing you are with yourself and your content and everything that you've learned. Where again, can people go to find your work? Yeah. Well, thanks so much for those kind comments. Um, the adapt your life Academy, adapt academy.com is the educational platform. Adaptyourlife.com has some products that are keto-friendly. Then I do have a website, drwestononline.com, which is uh, kind of a one-stop shop to tell you all the other places that I think are reputable sources. And that's D-R-W-E-S-T-M-A-N-O-N-L-I-N-E.com. So drwestmanonline.com. And I find a lot of people will use that information to get started. And, and then, you know, if you want more information, you might get the book and your carb confusion. If you want even more than the digital keto made simple masterclass, but these are all different options uh, that you can make use of. That's great. So many different ways that people can get help. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dr. Eric Westman. We really appreciate you and we appreciate you coming onto the show and we're so grateful for you and wish you the best with everything you do in the future. Thanks, Casey. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio.